Salutations and welcome to this episode 42 of the Harithja podcast. This is your host, Harithja, coming to you on Tuesday, 22nd December 2020, 10.45 p.m. Man, I'm getting into the habit of doing this late at night after all my daily uh, fucking, I don't know, commitments, I guess. Today, my women came over, had to entertain her a little bit. And then my best friend came over and I had to help him do an interview. And, you know, I didn't feel like kicking him out too fast because I just wanted to spend some time with him, you know. And then before you know it, it's like almost my bedtime. I sleep around 11, it's 10.45 and I have to record it, uh, roughly half an hour podcast. But you know what? I love you guys so much. I made a commitment. I'm going to fucking do this. My friend wants to, he wants to work for an NGO. He used to be a lawyer. Now here's the shocking thing, yeah? As a lawyer, you can earn, you know, a shitty salary is anywhere between three to 5,000 ringgit. Especially if you're a junior, that's what you can expect. But my friend wants to work in an NGO and my God, I found out today that these NGOs pay up to like 10,000 ringgit, which is uh, quite amazing. For those of you who don't live in Malaysia, you might not get it. But that amount of money for a young person is like, God damn, give me some of that moolah. So I'm really happy for him. I hope he gets the job. Lord Shiva, Allah, Jesus, I hope all of you are on his side for his interview tomorrow. Today's episode, uh, I'm going to continue from yesterday's point. I talked about how getting a man, getting him is easy, but keeping him is hard. If you missed that episode, I highly recommend going back to episode 41. Today, I'm going to talk about the flip side of this principle. Getting her is hard and keeping her is even harder. Yes, men, your role in uh, today's dating, I don't know what to call it, schema, matrix, um, is a really thankless job that you need to work on for the rest of your life. After discussing that concept, uh, I'm going to talk about uh, whether or not confessing your love to another person during the holiday season, the holiday season, do do do, is a good idea. Like, does that does the festivities add to the romance? Like, does it increase your chances or decrease your chances if you ask a girl to be your girlfriend during Christmas or New Year's, or if you're a Muslim during Eid? <laughs> Hari Raya If you do that, I'm not sure <laughs> I'll Maybe I'll tackle that later Lastly, uh, ASEAN News today is about Malaysia And I'm going to address this article And uh, with that article, I'm going to answer the question What happens when a Sikh marries a Muslim? Ooh, stay tuned to find out but before that, I got some shit thoughts I'm going to share with you. So buckle in your seats, ladies and gents. Let's do this. This weekend for me will hopefully be a party. Party, party weekend. Uh, I thought it would be interesting to try and bring some suspicious brownies to a party where nobody there has gotten high before. So <laughs> that's going to be interesting. Everyone at that party is going to be Chinese. Now, you know how Chinese people... When Chinese people drink, what are they famous for? Getting that Asian flush, right? So that what happens is their skin becomes really red. But I, I today I, I caught myself thinking like what happens when 
you give them some weed, like what happens to them? Do they is is there a version of Asian flush for weed? And then I thought about it. You know what happens when you take weed? Your eyes get really red and you look like all dazed out, right? Like what about Chinese people? Do their eyes go like fucking extra red? <laughs> Red eyes, fucking demon eyes. I'm so sorry. The, my neighbor's dog is barking. And it's so cute because it's kind of scaring my cat. She's now snuggling up upon me. I wanted to talk about um, this uh, memory I had about my mother and fortune tellers. So my mom, uh, some auntie gave me a gift to pass to mama, which is like a, a jade bracelet, a fancy piece of jewelry. And I can only assume that she's getting it for feng shui reasons. Uh, for those of you who don't know, feng shui is like um, a way of thinking that the oriental people have about life energies and energies swirling around. I'm probably butchering the principle, but most of you are Malaysians anyway, so you would get it. My mom, being a conservative Malay woman, was weirdly into Chinese fortune-telling, zodiac, Chinese zodiac and jewelry and feng shui and all that. To the point where one day she took me to a Chinese fortune-teller. And this, I remember sitting there, this guy was telling me all about what my future is going to be like. He was saying things like, um, When you are young, you will have a lot of uh, energy. I'm like, mm-hmm, sounds true so far. But then when you turn 30, your energy will be slow and you you will not be as youthful as you used to be and you will die young. Like, I'm not even fucking kidding, man. This fortune teller was telling me that straight to my face based on some Zodiac. Now, I think he got a few things wrong because I feel like I might be getting old right now. Like, I feel like parts of my body are cracking up. And I think he missed a mark by a few years. But let me tell you something, guys. When you read Zodiacs and shit like that, take that shit with a pinch of salt. The guy behind the chair is probably just some dude who learned this shit from some book or from some Sifu who learned it from some book or another Sifu. I just think a lot of it is nonsense. The room, the the, the place we went was in like a dead mall near Sri Pataling and I don't know. My mom was just so into it, but I just couldn't buy any of it. But she spent a lot of money on that shit. The fortune teller was telling her things like, if you wear this diamond bracelet on this hand, then you will attract a lot of money in your life. But if you wear it on the other hand, then money will leave your life. Like the motherfucker was actually saying things like, wearing a piece of jewelry on the wrong hand can lead to you having cancer. Like, (laughs) that shit should be illegal in my opinion. Then again, I don't really blame my mother. Now, this is me. The next few things I'm going to say might make me sound woohoo like cuckoo. But, you know, I really believe that women are mystical. So someone told me the other day, which was an interesting thought, it's the men's job to take care of earthly things. You know, earthly things. Fuck, oh, hold on, I gotta pause something. 
All right, and I'm back. What fucking happened was my cat was going crazy. She was attacking all the wires on my on my setup. And I was like, fuck, fuck, fuck. I got to stop this. Now, where was I? Yeah. So it's a man's job to take care of earthly things, make the money, build the house, that kind of shit. And it's the woman's job to generally like cultivate the home feelings and like take care of the other esoteric <laughs> things. It's her job to be a bit crazy and be like, darling, the stars are telling me that you should watch out at your job. There is an enemy in the workplace that might work to sabotage it. And I just come home and be like, bitch, I'm just trying to have my dinner. <laughs> uh, ignore everything I just said. That was so misogynistic. But it comes from a good place in the sense that I truly believe women are connected to something that men are not. Like their intuition is crazy good, except for my woman for some reason. Taylor's intuition is horrendous. <laughs> like whenever I ask her among my amongst my friends, right? Do they still love each other? Do you think they'll last long? Do you think he likes her? She always gets the answer wrong. But every other woman I've dated gets it like freaking spot on. So I don't know. Hmm. Here's another thing I've noticed about the people I date. It seems like the most intuitive women were the worst for me to date. Hmm. That's an interesting tout. All right. So yesterday was 21st December and it was the Great Conjunction. I talked about this on a previous episode. So what happens on the Great Conjunction is Jupiter and Saturn align perfectly. And you can see them in a straight line in the sky. This is the first time it's happened in 400 years where it's entering Aquarius. If you have no idea what the fuck that means, don't worry. Just stay that way because all of this is fucking bullshit anyway, in my honest opinion. But, you know, I tried to look into the sky and I was like, you know, it'd be so cool to see Saturn and Jupiter in the sky. Because when I looked it up online, it was so fucking cool. You could see like a really big Jupiter. And next to it, I saw pictures of fucking Saturn. You could see the rings around Saturn. And it was so pretty. So around nighttime, I went outside. I'm like, I got to check this shit out. I look up. I can't wait. I'm anticipating a beautiful sight. I don't see shit. I just see clouds and a really bright sky. And it's such a shame because obviously the reason I can't see the Great Conjunction is because KL is too fucking bright and it was cloudy anyway. So, I don't know. Yes, that being said, yeah, I tried being um, open-minded yesterday. You know, fucking Great Conjunction. Maybe I might take the opportunity to just be open-minded and learn about this. So I went online, read about it, and it, it talks about how humanity is going on a new direction, how this is the time for you to work on your goals, to set a goal and to like continuously work on it. I know it sounds like hooey, but I'm like, you know what? If there's ever a good time to reevaluate your goals, it's any time. So I thought while I'm here, let, let me do it. And then after I did it, like some magical thing happened where I had like a really good energy all day. I don't know if I can attribute that to the great conjunction or not because sometimes on random dates, I, I could have just amazing sense of energy and well-being. Well, I felt that today and I don't know. Should you believe in this shit? <laughs> like what the fuck do we know? We're just... There's way more things we don't know than we do know. 
at the end of the day, I feel like I'm just some kind of intelligent ape, and even then, just barely. So yeah, I, I don't know. You know, today I had such a good day in terms of my energy and how I felt in my body. That holy shit, even right now I feel like I'm kind of high, but not in the fucked up weed sense. In a fuck, this feels so good sense. Like I just feel really good about my existence. This is weird. Like, what is this good feeling in my brain and body? And then when I looked it up, apparently some Hindu gurus are like, did you know you can get stoned on your own? There are cannabis receptors in your brain. But there is no proof that as we were evolving, that we were constantly consuming cannabis. So why? Fuck, my, my cat's drinking in my room and the mic is picking it up. I hope you can't hear it. I can. I have fucking good ear, earphones. Anyway. Oh, weird flex, bro. <laughs> Where the fuck was I? Oh yeah, I was uh, being a racist jackass. Um, so, so even though we did not uh, consume cannabis, why do we have cannabis receptors in our brain? It's because your body is expecting you to produce it yourself. I'm not kidding. That's what the fuck he said. I'm paraphrasing, but this guy was saying like, we can get stoned on our own. Look into my eyes. I'm stoned. I'm stoned on life. <laughs> it's not a fucking joke. This guy called Sadhguru. He was, he's popping up on my recommendations a lot. And me being a curious fuck and being open to listening to anyone, even though in the beginning I go into it thinking, ah, you're probably bullshitting. But whatever, I'll listen to your point of view. And uh, I don't know, man. Getting stoned on your own. Like, can you imagine just being able to get fucked up whenever you want? Like, I want to get high right now. And then suddenly you're like, bro, I'm stoned. I don't know. Maybe if you like meditate long enough, you might be able to just go like, ah, this feels so good. I've heard that monks have like an amazing ability to control their bodies like somewhere in tibet or india i'm not i can't remember so apparently they can draw water into their bodies through their penis so they can put their pp in a what in water and like suck the water like that's how much control fucking cat that's how much control they have over there are oh, you gonna take a shit right in front of me <sighs> they'll deal with that later okay so yeah, they can suck in water through their cock. <laughs> kind of standardize my terminology. Like, goddamn, I didn't, did, I didn't know that water can be sucked into the penis. I thought this thing was just for like projectile substance. <laughs> it's for shooting things out, not like sucking things in. Hmm. Hey man, uh, does your cum shoot out like a bullet? Does it go like pew? <laughs> Or does it go like a sad, like drip, drip, like blue, blue, blue. <laughs> I wonder if like the strength of your cum coming out, like says anything about your health. Like for me, I've got a healthy mix of like pew at first and then like blue, blue, blue as like uh, the follow through. <laughs> uh, I, I generally have that problem everywhere else in my life, whereby I'm super enthusiastic in the beginning, but then my enthusiasm dies down. I've been trying to change that uh, by following through on the things I commit to and not relying 
on just motivation alone i have i've been honing discipline and it's honestly changed my life and i can thank the the way i come for coming to this realization <laughs> when i saw like, like a poo and then a blue 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 i'm like oh that's just like everything else in my life i gotta work on myself <laughs> all, right, all right let me let me like return to this thought so like if we can suck in water, right? Like, I wonder what other crazy shit we can do with our bodies. I wonder, like, can we ejaculate on command, like, without touching ourselves? Like, imagine that. Imagine not needing women or having to touch yourself. Just like, you know, you're kind of down. You could use, like, a pick-me-up and be like, okay, here we go. Aum. Aum. Oh, boop. Bloop, 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 bloop. <laughs> oh, that was amazing. <laughs> uh, you still got a wipe though. <laughs> like even if you shoot into a toilet bowl, you got to take some tissue and like, like tap, tap the, the tip. <laughs> what did our fucking like, that's one of the advice we always get, right? Always clean up after you ejaculate, pee, wipe and pee. But like, what about our ancestors? Were they constantly getting like UTIs, track infections? <laughs> Did our, I don't know, motherfuckers must have had STDs like crazy. So like did throughout our caveman existence, did we just have like very itchy loins? I don't know. These are just some of the things I think about. All right. Hey guys, uh, this is a fun experiment. I want to encourage you to try. Okay. Uh, if you have a significant other or if you're like dating somebody casually, try this. Just try this. A random tip, all right? Without saying anything, grab your partner by the wrist. Lead them somewhere. Don't say anything. Just walk to that place. Even if it's across the room, you could just push him or her up against the wall and let your body melt into theirs. Now, I know that might sound cryptic and esoteric, but what I mean is just without saying anything, press them up against the wall and just rub your face into their neck, into their chest, into their face. Whether you're a guy or girl, just try it. Like, press your body against them up and down, moan if it feels natural. Just do that for a good minute or two. Maybe pull their hair slightly. Again, whether you're a guy or a girl. And just see what happens next. They might laugh. They might think you're crazy. They might be super into it. But it's just an interesting experiment. Every time I do that, uh, it works well for me. So like, I wonder if, I, if it might work well for you. So try that. Let me know how it goes. You can give me your feedback on harrisgeofficial at gmail.com. Uh, if you're my friend, you feel free to WhatsApp or Instagram me. All right, getting to today's topic. Getting her is hard. Keeping her is harder. Guys, this is so true. Um, if you're most men, getting a woman is like against the odds for you, to be honest. So if you... Look into the statistics on Tinder. Just Google Tinder statistics. What you'll find is that 80% of women compete for the top 20% of men. The average man to them, they rate as below average in terms of looks, which doesn't make sense if you think about it because average men should have average looks. But no, average men are like nearly invisible to them. 
most of the women are fighting for the cream of the crop. So what's happening is the top 20% of men are having a ridiculous access to a, like a crazy amount of pussy because uh, more women want them. But uh, the rest of the men, they struggle to even find one woman, you know, just to, if you're an average looking guy, you know, if you're an average guy in general, you're just going to generally struggle getting matches on Tinder. And that's the truth. So the the game is already rigged against you. So if you even manage to get a girl somehow, that's hard. Okay. Convincing a woman to like have sex with you unless, unless you you're like fucking famous or hot is an uphill battle. If you're Justin Bieber, Ryan Gosling, some K-pop guy, it's it wouldn't be super hard to be honest. But I'm talking about the average guy here. Now, once you get the woman, right? Haha, this is the interesting thing. Even if you are the top 20% of men in terms of attractiveness, even once you got her, right? Keeping her is harder and if you're an average man, it's harder, harder. Think about like a cock on Viagra. That's how hard it is. <laughs> you know, yesterday I was talking about like for a woman, getting him is easy, keeping him is hard. And I talked about why. But keeping a woman is hard in the sense that, guys, it's super easy for her to like wake up. Not just wake up. It doesn't happen randomly. But it's easy for her to lose her respect for you based on the things you do. You know, all it takes is one, I, I swear it's this simple, one moment of a slip up on your part, you could just lose her respect for life and you might never get that respect back or it'll be very difficult for you to get it back. How can that happen? Let's say you acted like a bitch. By a bitch, I mean like, yeah, not like, you know, just like, yeah, just like a weak guy in whatever given situation. Let's say you lose your temper unnecessarily uh, and it just makes you look weak. Or if, let's say, you begged her to forgive you over some shit that she did wrong and she knows it and she was just being a bitch about it, but she got you to apologize anyway. Like, it's simple things like that where, yeah, you can feel like a bitch. I mean, you can make her think you're a bitch. So... You got to work every day for the rest of your life if you want to stay with a woman for the rest of your life. You got to work every fucking day and be on your game every fucking day. And believe me, if you're not used to playing the game, it will be really exhausting. Which is why keeping her is harder than getting her, which is hard in the first place if you're generally a, an average man. So like what to do about this? Uh, listen to my podcast. <laughs> I mean, I read a lot about dating and intersexual dynamics. And you know, I'm, I'm not an original author. I'm pretty sure I've shared some of my own original thoughts. But like most of the stuff I'm telling you, I'm getting from another source. From my years and years of reading this shit and like applying it in real life keeping her in the long term. This is all about being true to yourself, what you want in life and being true to her. You got to treat her like a human being. You got to be ethical for most of the time. And sometimes you got to put your foot down and be a dick if it's for the greater good of the relationship. All right, that's the uh, random relationship part of this uh, podcast. If you like what you heard so far, uh, please let me know. You can email me at harithjoofficial.com 
at gmail.com if you have any questions relating to relationships and shit like or if you have a funny story yeah feel free to write in and i'd be happy to read about it or address it on the podcast all right today's listener question do you think confessing during special occasion like christmas or new year is a good idea uh, yeah the english on this is terrible <laughs> This is a good question. So Christmas or New Year? Is confessing during this time a good idea? By confessing, for those who don't know, it's like a Asian thing where the guy likes to, out of nowhere, generally out of nowhere, just profess his love for a woman, just say, I've never met anyone like you. You are so special in my eyes. You're kind and you're funny. Everyone's fucking kind and funny, right? You're kind and you're funny. And then you see the good in everything. And... I want to be with you, you know, even if they don't do it like out of the blue, sometimes even though they were flirting for a while and the girl's not sure, the guy can just do it as like a Hail Mary attempt to try and secure this girl's commitment. In my opinion, doing it on a special occasion like Christmas or New Year is only a good idea if the confession is sort of overdue. Meaning, let's say as a guy, you are seeing a girl for a long time and she's made it clear that she's into you. She spends a lot of time seeing you. You text back and forth quite a lot. Maybe um, explicit verbal communication. I like you. Maybe you've started kissing, touching her butt, pee-pee touching, all these things. But the confession hasn't come, aka you haven't asked her to be your girlfriend. If it's past six months, you know, generally that's... You know what? When I read online, people say one... A lot of these quote-unquote dating coaches say one year. For me, even for me, like you don't need one year to get to know a girl. I think six months is perfect. That's my opinion. So let's say you're eight months into dating a girl. You've been hanging out. She's clearly into you, but you haven't popped the question you know, be my girlfriend. I think doing it on Christmas or New Year just amplifies the specialness of the occasion. I think like it's just a, like a double kill, double whammy. She's been waiting for this for so long and you're doing it on a fest. She'll be so freaking happy. But only it only makes sense to do it if it's a slam dunk. Because if it's, if it's not a slam dunk, I'm going to talk about when this can go disastrously. Let's say you've only, let's say the girl's not into you at all and you've been trying to fucking get her for the quote unquote get as though she's a fucking like prized poodle. <laughs> you've been trying to get her for eight months and you, you pop the question. Even in general, if you pop the question, it's terrible because you did it in an unwise manner. Like just fuck it. I try my best if she, if she, like, there's might be a chance she say yes, she don't know, she want to try, then she realize, you know, some people actually think like that, like she might realize she likes me after agreeing to be my girlfriend, genius. Anyway, yeah, so doing that in general, confessing when you're not at least 80% sure she'll say yes is a bad idea, but doing it on like Christmas or New Year is like, oh my God, you're like making it twice as worse because you just ruin her Christmas or New Year by making it awkward. In any event, isn't she spending her time with her family or friends anyway? Why the fuck is she with your loser ass if she doesn't like you? 
Another way that can go, this can go wrong is if you have only been dating for a really short time, even though she likes you, it's only been a month or two months, she's not sure about you and then you pop the question during Christmas and New Year's, like it's too soon. It just makes it seem awkward and weird because there's a high chance she'll say no if on a normal day anyway. And then you amplify this by putting all this pressure on it. Like it just makes the whole thing extra awkward that's why i said earlier it's like an amplifier it makes it extra awkward if you do it on a special occasion now even even if she says yes right like it might have been because of the pressure of the surroundings of the festivities like oh it's christmas you know season of love or whatever so she feels like it's a timely time to say yes to a fresh new relationship but that's really bad because she's not saying yes because of you she's saying yes because of what fucking day it is which is some astrological nonsense which i i talk about all the time so those are my thoughts about confessing during a special holiday season. Do, 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 do. I'm thinking about confessing during Eid uh, or Hari Raya. And I think, don't do that, you motherfuckers. That shit is haram. You're not allowed to date. Just marry, pump kids and divorce. <laughs> All right, that's the uh, dating section. I mean, that's the uh, question section today. Lastly, I'm going to do ASEAN News Malaysia. Okay, what? So this is the question I'm going to ask. What happens when a Sikh marries a Muslim? This article is from The Star, published fucking 20th December 2020. The title reads, Malaysian women who married Indian hockey captain in Punjab is still a Muslim, says Deputy Minister. Wow, Deputy Minister knows... That she's still a Muslim? How? She's in Punjab. <laughs> Let's see. A Malaysian woman, a, a Malaysian woman who is believed to have undergone a marriage ceremony in a Sikh temple in Punjab, India, will be called up once she returns to the country, says religious authorities. Fucking hell, they're going to interrogate her. No, no, no. They're going to interview her. Religious authorities get in your ass when you get married overseas? What the fuck is this, to be honest? What jurisdiction do you have if I go to another country and want to get married? It's happening there, Chi. All right. Deputy Minister in the Prime Minister's Department, Religious Affairs, Ahmad Marzuk Sha'ari, said authorities are still waiting for a complete report from the Johor Islamic Religious Department about the marriage between... Ili Najwa Anwar Hussein Sadiq. That's a fucking long name. Why do we Malays need so many names? Can we just be like the Chinese? Ping bang bak. Simple. Ugh. Okay. Between Ili Najwa Anwar Hussein Sadiq. One, two, three, four, f- one, two, three, five names. And Indian national hockey team captain Manpreet Singh. That's a nice name, man. Manpreet. He's, it's got the word man in it. Man. Hey, what's your name? Manpreet. <laughs> I like that. Quote, from the information we have received so far, the woman is still considered a Muslim as there has been no application from her to change her religion status. Even if you got the application though, you're just going to fucking toss it out the window. We did not receive any application from her to marry overseas. Do I need permission to marry overseas? What the fuck? This is tyranny. 
Continuing from the quote, From what I read on social media, the woman is still a Muslim and the bridegroom, Manpreet, converted to Islam last year. <sighs> this guy is quoting social media. Like what? She did it. She <laughs> Ili has changed her status from Muslim to Sikh. Like what? <laughs> Who the fuck does that? <laughs> Which uh, right-thinking Malaysian will do that? Continuing the quote. We'll only know the full story when we hear from the woman herself. Unquote, said Ahmad Marzouk. He was speaking to the media after handing over aid to freshmen and farmers in the Pangkor State constituency in Kota Baru, Kelantan on Sunday. He was casually talking to the media after handing, what, aid to fishermen and farmers? What the f- <laughs> Oh, by the way, press, come here. Hmm. Ili, who is Unity Minister... Datuk Halimah Muhammad Sadiq's niece, oh, she's connected to politics, I see, raised a stir on social media when she posted about travelling to travel to India to marry Manpreet. Videos of her Sikh wedding ceremony also went viral. They fucking had a Sikh wedding ceremony. Mm. <clears throat> so if you do that in Malaysia, that if I'm not mistaken, that is an offence to have a wedding ceremony that's not legally binding. So if you have a fake ceremony, then you can like face persecution and I think there's a fine or jail or some shit. What the fuck? Can you imagine going to jail for having a Sikh wedding? Uh, my blood is boiling right now. Netizens question why she was allowed to travel to India during the MCO. And some people can travel, full stop. And if it was right for her as a Muslim to take part in a Sikh ceremony, leave her alone! Can we can we just let her sin? Actually, the way I thought about it, um, it actually makes sense. You know, and if I'm not mistaken in Islam, you have an obligation to make sure or to try and like, not allow people in your community to sin and one way you do that is to pass laws that prevent your community from committing certain sins and I guess this is one example so I get where they're coming from but at the same time that is like um, in opposition to like the concept of like freedom of doing whatever the fuck I want to do especially when I leave the country so <clears throat> I don't know how I feel about this Earlier Sunday, Halima's aide shared a statement supposedly written by Ili that she was still a Muslim. So her father's aide wrote a statement that she was still... Fuck, can we just hear from her? Quote, I apologize for my and Manpreet's ignorance. Manpreet convert... Oh, we have a quote from her. Manpreet converted to Islam last year. I have never changed my name nor my religion and my name will always be Ili Najwa Anwar Hussein Sadiq. <laughs> His family has been calling me Navpreet since 2012 since it's difficult for them to call me by my real name. Ili. They can't say Ili. Najwa. Come on. Some Indians have ridiculous names like Varakrishnan. Like fuck, they can't say Ili or Najwa. We did our nikah ceremony on December 16th but kept it private. The certificate will be obtained next Wednesday, stated Ili. She said that the she said the Indian media has played up the videos of her wedding and things went out of control. Elise also said she had followed uh, all procedures to travel for the wedding. See, she followed procedures and did not get any special treatment for being the niece of a minister. That is the end of the article. Wow, I finished an article for once. 
There we go, guys. Two people in love can't get married overseas without our religious authorities creating a hoopla about it. All right. That's the podcast today, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. I love you all so much for listening in. You are allowing me to live a truly interesting lifestyle. Thank you all for the questions. I will join you tomorrow. Bye-bye.